You're listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Today on Decidedly, we're talking with Greg Meyer, who is uh, not only a friend of mine for years and years, an NFL official who's officiated over 400 games, the Super Bowl, got into the uh, the NFL in 2002. And we're not going to talk to anybody that's got more inside knowledge of how to make split-second decisions when those decisions have consequences that half the people that are watching you are going to hate the decision you just made. Listen up to our discussion today with Greg Meyer, NFL official. So you mentioned setting the tone or setting and being consistent with it. That, I feel like that always comes up, especially during playoff games. You know, the commentators, when they have a gripe, it's it's not necessarily that the officials are too tight or too loose. They're like, ah, oh, we just want to be consistent. How how does that go? How do you do? You all get together and go, okay, that's a loose game. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, what's fascinating about that is there's seven game officials on the field. Yeah, there's 22 players. We all have not completely different responsibilities. We depend on each other, but each game official is primarily responsible for certain things. My attitude is, you know, my strike zone or whatever you want to call it uh, is initially one way, and I got to keep it that way. And another guy over here, his way is a little tighter. It causes some issues. But the reality is... Um, and that, and that's why for our sport, it's really tough because a lot of that comes with experience. And this past year, we had no fans in the stands, we had no preseason games, we had no training camp. So we brought 11 guys, 11 rookies in with no experience at all other than college. The rules are different. The philosophies are different. And they just had to jump in and start working. This year, we hope to get out to some training camps and work together. And that's how you build that relationship over a period of time, where you establish kind of how this crew is going to work for the year. And then you, you're, if you've been around a while, when you get into the playoffs, you kind of know who you're working with, and you know a little of their style and what they're trying to do. Do they? You talk about bringing in new guys. I, I'm guessing they bring in new guys and put it in to an established crew. And do these crews travel through the season? together as a crew and then are graded to make the playoffs because I'm, I'm guessing the crews make playoffs just like the teams make playoffs. Well, we used to, excuse me, we used to assign crews, uh, complete crews to playoff games from years ago. We don't do that. Okay. So you're graded every play. Uh, they evaluate everything that you do at the end of the year. They assign the playoffs. So it may be, we may have, the four of us may have worked all year together, and here come the playoffs. Now you're working a wild card in New York. She's working a divisional game in Buffalo. You're, you and I are working, you know, in Minnesota. It's just when that January schedule comes out, it's whatever the NFL wants to put together and uh, and assign. So um, that's got to be so tough. Right? What was the thought process? I mean, what what caused them to change that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm much more comfortable personally working with the folks I've been working with all year. Now, this will be my 20th year, 
So I know most of the guys. So it's pretty easy for me to jump in and work like Sean's crew, Sandra's yeah. crew, Morgan's crew. Yeah, I just get in and do what I need to do. But when you've got, uh, and we got a lot of turnover coming up uh, in the next couple of years with some older guys rolling off. And, you you know, we, our biggest challenge is we just don't have enough work. You know, there's just not enough games, even though they're adding another one. They're at, you know, taking, they're going to do three preseason games, 17 regular season. Oh, is that enough? Is that a final thing? My last game was, uh, you know, the end of January. So that's February, March, April, May, June, July. Starts kind of training camp. Hopefully June OTAs, but maybe not. July training camp, hope to get some of that. And then August, three preseason games, and you're right into the regular season. And the way they cut back with, um, you know, the workouts and that sort of thing for the teams under their CBA. It's really difficult to get enough work and reps in. You know, we, we just don't have the profession that can zoom. You know, it's like the guy yeah. playing baseball, you can't <laughs> right. batting practice, but you got to get the cage. And we have to get on the field and work with the teams. Now, I would imagine watching film is not super helpful for real-time training. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a terrific tool uh when it's when it's in concert with working the game yeah. so you so you work your game it's filmed you, you come in we, we talk about it um they grade it and if this is our crew then we kind of discuss it oh you know hey morgan you were you looking here long enough i was i got off this guy and got onto this that's how you get better as a crew you hope to continue to just ratchet up your consistency sure. throughout the season and the more you work before the regular season the better opportunity you have to be really good out of the shoot on opening day. That seems so tough to get in the playoffs. You're working with people that you haven't really worked with. And then you you don't know, you know, that guy over there, he's calling holding, you're calling pass interference. You've got these different responsibilities. And then it's the, that last play of the game. And, you know, okay, I mean, it could go either way. Do I stick with what's consistent? Do I stick with what my old crew would do? Do I do with the- Judging myself on this game loose, or yeah, I mean, that seems so tough. (laughs) Well, yeah, and what you hope is that the training that we've been getting throughout the year and the calls that we've been making are consistent through all 17 crews, so that the grading and the revaluation ideally that would be right. So, by the time you get to the playoffs, if the three of us are working, I'm the back judge, you're the side judge, you're the field judge, and we haven't worked together all year. What you hope is that the feedback you, that you've been getting uh, is the same feedback that you've been getting and the same feedback. So when you look at a play, you can evaluate and say, that's enough, that's not enough. I've seen that before. I've seen a training tape with that. And that's what you're hoping to build the consistency on is that the staff as a whole has been trained properly enough that even though we haven't worked the same games or the same teams, We've worked the same types of plays. Right. You you One know you know what is yeah. what is interference is and what isn't. That's enough. Yeah. That's too much. That's a foul. Right. You know, so and your experience level plays a part of that uh, as well. So our rookies are not allowed to work playoff games. You can yeah. be on the field starting your second year. Makes sense. Those eleven guys that worked last year will be eligible this year. And I just hope we can get more people uh, on the field, whether it's training camp or OTA, yeah. anything, 
and get you out on an NFL football field with NFL players watching. What, what does somebody have to do? How long were you in college, uh, refing or officiating in college? So I did college from probably 92 to, and I got in 02, so 10, 10 years ten probably. Years. So how do you how do you go from uh, officiating NCAA to NFL? I mean, that, you, you just submit an application. Do they come recruit you? Say, hey, we noticed you're one of the you know top. Is is it graded in college? And then you sort of uh, I, I have no no clue as to how you, how you go from one to the other. I have a sense of how it happens for the players. Yeah, right. Yeah, that <laughs> right. I, I know how I've that heard works. about that one a time or two. Right, I know how that works. You know, first you have to be interested in working in the NFL, and not everybody is, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, some guys just enjoy working collegiate football, uh, but they have an extensive scouting uh, department. A lot of lot of scouts all over the country, and most of the collegiate conferences are run by NFL guys. So. They know what the NFL is looking for, and so it's a it's a little more uh, organized than you might think by uh, you know just looking at it from thirty thousand feet. It's it's pretty. Um, uh, I mean, the folks are pretty well identified as they start to come up through the ladder. When you look at a young person as they start to develop, hey, that that guy or gal's got some. Pretty good talent. The guy knows what he's doing. This guy does. Somebody to keep an eye on and push him a little harder. But uh, uh, there's no no shortage of, of those uh, <laughs> people out there trying to take my job. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually they will. You know, eventually I'll roll off and a new guy comes on. Yeah. And they just got to continue to train the staff properly to keep up with the changes. What kind of age uh, do people usually come out of that role? Mainly. Mid to upper sixties. Okay. You know, it's a uh, officiating now is a lot more uh, cerebral than it is athletic. You know, we don't really move as much. Yeah. You, know, you don't really have to follow that wide receiver and beat him down the field. You just got to get in a position to be able to work the angle <laughs> to see. What Low chance you're going to beat him down the field, right? That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, so we're spending a lot more time moving less. And trying to see more. Like when you watch the basketball guys, if you watch the Final Four, watch those guys when they make a call. They're never moving. You know, they work hard to get yeah. position, work for angles, and then they make the call. But they never really make a call while they're running. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get in a better position early on, read the play better. So we're more cerebral and Looking at it and so sort of you, evaluate that we are athletic or oh look I kept up with sure. that wide receiver. So you're you you're back judge, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's you're on the defensive side of the ball furthest back. So you have to do you have to read the formations of the defense and offense and then adjust where you are on the field based on that? I won't move much, but it's the reason why as a crew we have to know each other pretty well because our keys, we use the word keys, that's more outdated now, but the folks we're responsible for change. And like I say, there's seven of us, 22 of them, right? So there's going to be times where things overlap. And if I'm depending on Sean to stay on this receiver for a couple yeah. more yards while I'm working over here and then I get over here, if he gets off him, 
and I don't get over to him fast enough, and they pull his jersey or something happens, and they go, well, how'd you miss that? How'd you guys miss that? Well, you know, I either didn't get over fast enough or Sean left you too quick. Right. So that we have to work together. And when you got a new guy coming in each week, or you're the guy that goes to another crew, then there's that trust factor. Do you suppose that, because if, if I'm a coach and you're officiating the game, you, you've got to be pretty good at knowing sort of what formation is it, what kind of play is about to be run. I mean, you, you probably have got a sense of what's going to happen. Do you think that there are coaches who understand that and are trying to fool you as much as they're trying to fool the defense to give their players a better chance to maybe get away with something they wouldn't have if you were right on the play? Well, I, I think it's probably better to say that the, the coaches are trying to do the best they can to get their advantage. So they'll run plays to deceive both the defense and maybe us. Right. Or a pick play or some kind of play that makes it look more of not a foul than when it really is. Right, okay. So, you know, a guy will go out, act like he's going to catch the ball, and try to bump into a cornerback that's coming behind him and make it look like, you know, mm-hmm. gee, I don't stop, you know, I don't know what happened here. Uh, I think there's some of that, a little of that. Um, but not a big part of... I, I don't think so. They got enough to do to just get that yeah. little edge. At the NFL level, it, it, it's got to be so difficult. And they scout us. I mean, they know who's coming in to work their game. Sure, sure. If they've seen Sean or Sander for, you know, 20 years, they know who's coming. They know what you do. So I would I would imagine that, you know, at any level, especially NFL level, one of the advantages I would guess you, you can have is obviously your, your players, your play calling, but an awareness of the rules. So if I know the rules better than Sanger does, that's going to give me an advantage, clearly, right? So is that observable to you? Or like, in other words, if, as you're calling the game, are you – is it noticeable enough where you go, this coach, this team knows how to, I don't want to say game the system, but they know how to optimize the rules and their advantage. Is that, a, is that something that's observable, observable enough? Yeah, I think, I think it is. What kind of things you, are they doing? Well, I mean, they, they, you know, they'll know when to challenge something. Okay. So. Do you ever get like kind of pissed when they challenge you? You're like, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, when it first came out, it was kind of a pride thing. Yeah, I bet. You're like, man, I got it right. Get yeah, or, back. you know, you know you got it right. You hope they challenge you. Yeah. <laughs> they challenge that during the TV break. Right, right. <laughs> but, but all that replay stuff has changed so much, you're thankful to have it. You don't yeah. officiate to it. You understand it's there. But... You know, we want to get every play right. That's the bottom line. We sure. want to get every play in the NFL properly officiated. Whatever you got to do to make that happen, that's what I want to do. I want to go out there every every single game. I think everybody well, wants the, that. Except the consequences maybe the for getting it wrong are pretty ruthless. You know, nobody's holding back on the official. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get no love. You get it right. Yeah, but you, you, we sign up for this. No, of course. But I'm saying, like, oh, you, you better hope you get it right, because even when you get it right, they're pissed off at you. 
The yeah, fans would be wrong for getting it right. I mean, look yeah. at the talk rule. Remember the talk uh, play back in uh, uh, Brady in the playoff? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was cor- correctly done. So he. So it, this is what I'm talking about. But explain this to me. So they. It, I don't remember who they were playing, but this was Brady's first season in the playoffs. Right. And he gets sacked. It's like fourth quarter, you know, fourth and five or something. He's in the red zone and he gets sacked for a fumble. Mm-hmm. And the officials call it. They come in and they go, no, no, no. I mean, it's clear as day. It's a fumble. He, they, they hit him, fumble. Well, what happened was he had the ball back and right as the guy's coming in, he starts to pull the ball to his chest. Instead of throw it, right? And the rule at the time was that that was that was not no. a fumble, okay. for whatever reason. Is that and yeah, ultimately, they, well? Ultimately, they come out of replay and correctly get it right. Yeah, but people don't. People just didn't like the rule. Yeah, <laughs> the rule was the rule is the rule. That yeah, like Des Bryant in Green Bay at that time. That's an incomplete. You don't have to agree with it. You have to like right. it. That was the rule. But that, that, that pissed a lot of Cowboy fans off. Yeah. But at that time, on that play in Green Bay, it was correctly reversed in, in replay. Yeah. You know, that's how yeah. rules get changed. That's how the game changes. <laughs> because it's for the fans. It's entertainment. I mean, it's for what people want. In the game, so you know, the rules committee, the competition committee, are always evaluating every year what to tweak, what to change, and what to do to make the game as entertaining and safe. They're very yeah. good at making it as safe as they can, mm-hmm. um, and that's been you know the primary rule emphasis. One of the best things that could have happened to y'all had to be the strike. I mean, when when the oh, replacement when the replacement refs came out, everybody was like. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody gave the officials any love until until that until that moment. They're like, like, oh yeah, okay, we, like, want, come we want back, the pros, we want the, we want the real guys. Remember, back. they got a standing ovation <laughs> the first game they came back. That. <laughs> <laughs> like the real refs. <laughs> so now you look at the NFL and they've got you know there's a contract for the players. They just signed their CBA last uh, March, year ago. For ten years, yeah. TV contracts. We're t- you know our contract goes through the twenty twenty five season. <clears throat> Replay is working on their contract right now, so I mean it's full steam ahead in the NFL for the foreseeable future. So they've got it lined up very nicely. So as as you're officiating the game, you're making split second decisions, right? And then hopefully. All of the training and all of the experience, it makes that you're just barely even having to think about it. You just know it, right? But I'm only, I only understand this from a fan's point of view, right? So I see sometimes y'all get together and you're talking and talking and talking. Do y'all, y'all disagree every now and then? Like, hey, no, this whole thing. No, it wasn't, Bob. Yeah, some penalties we have to put it together, like intentional grounding. Okay. So you'll have the referee is watching the quarterback for what he's doing. He throws the ball, and the ref, referee has to continue to watch the quarterback so he's not driven into the ground. or not. A, he doesn't know where the ball went. He doesn't know it's thrown into an area or whether it crossed. So here comes other game officials knowing he needs help. They come in and, and discuss what each person has to put it together. We either have a foul or we don't. So there's a lot. I swear, there's a lot of things that go on on the field that really require a lot of 
trust mm. and a lot of communication between the game officials. Uh, because if you're involved in what you're doing, there are times that certain officials on the field don't know whether it's a run or a pass. Now, they don't know some things that have happened during the play because their responsibilities are over here. And the action's going on over here. So they don't know whether he fumbled the ball, he passed the ball. <laughs> so you kind of lay off some of that stuff and let the guys that are, you know, at the point of attack, if you will, uh, roll and, and handle the play. Along those lines that you were talking about, you know, when, when they all come together, we, we don't know what they're saying. No. So in some cases, the um, officials will eat the flag. They wave it off. What kind of conversation is going on when when that happens? Like that's I'll give you one that I had this year where I throw a face mask foul. Guy comes across the matter and it looks like uh you're too young for this analogy, but Linda Linda Blair. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yeah. It spins around. Yeah, yeah. I mean it just looks to me like it's happened so quick just that I see it and I throw it. You know, I brought it in, guy will come in and say, Man, I saw it. Very clearly, he had him by the shoulder pad. Pick that up. Uh, I got to trust you enough to believe to do it, but it's yeah. ultimately my decision. Right. And tell the referee there's no foul in the play for face mask. Obviously, it's going to get replayed. You know, you're going to you're going to get some pretty instant feedback. Yeah. So, so if you if you eat that flag, and it clearly was, and that guy's the guy who told you to pick it up. Yeah. Well, that, you know, nobody knows that except you. <laughs> yeah, right? You you're, can't you're turn the bad guy. to the. You're like, but you this guy turned to the fans. Yeah, sometimes isn't as tasty later. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, it's just a, if you do this long enough, uh, you know, you know you're going to need some help periodically on that stuff. And it's kind of back to the premise of getting every single play right, using every tool available to you to get it right. You know, these games, we want them done in three hours-ish. Uh-huh. Because uh, you got the noon kickoff, and yeah. the Cowboys at 425, or whoever. So that's, you know, they want that game yeah. over. If games kicked at 1202, they want it over by 302, 304. Yeah. Do a little pregame, that second game gets kicked off. You go out to TCU, that's... 345, four hours. They don't have the same TV constraint. Yeah, they, yeah. that's an event for the day for that school. And they'll at ESPN or ABC or whoever, they schedule differently for the collegiate game. But if you watch NFL foot now, the Thursday night game, Monday night, Sunday, there's nothing behind it. So, you know. So is that is you that don't want it to drag on? You want to watch football. Is that something that uh, the the crews are aware of? You go, oh, this is Monday night. We don't need to kind of speed it up. No, I think we want to be efficient, and obviously, the faster it's over, the better we like it. <laughs> but you don't do it in such a fashion to hurry through the game. But you want to be efficient because the teams pick up on the tempo, right? So if we're constantly getting together constantly picking up flags, constantly reviewing our work, we're having to go over and, you know what I mean? It's just, it's so disjointed. You guys at home watching, you're tired of it. You're fed up with, you know, you start yeah. to get irritated. There's no flow to the game. And it's the same thing if guys can't catch passes. 
you know, you had two incomplete passes, a run up the middle and punt, or punting and punting and punting and TV break. It's not good. Nobody yeah. likes that. Now, some of that you can't control, but as game officials, we have to take care of our business. Do you, do you get grief from the from the coaching staffs if if they're trying to create a tempo in a game and your actions, and necessary as they may be, if you've got a conference and control and do things, if that's disrupting the sort of the game plan and game flow, are you catching grief from the sidelines on that stuff? Yeah, I, I just some of this deserved. I mean, if we're not, we don't have our act together, and we're you know we're not paying attention. Or well, deserved or not, I mean they're they're going to give it to you, right? Yeah, I mean these guys have practiced. You know, these are the pros. They're practicing every day, and you know they expect us to run a smooth ball game. They expect us to get a ball in. They expect the you know get ball boys on the sideline if they're not doing their job and they're late getting the ball yeah. in. We can't spot the ball. The quarterback's ready to go. And he sees a matchup that he wants to deal with, or he sees a late substitute he wants to go, and we're screwing around. Do you, do you think that coaches who, because I've seen coaches just lay into lay into guys on the you know, <laughs> officials, and I'm, I'm guessing what they're hoping is that they can get in that guy's head, that they can create some psychology to, hey, I think you messed that up. I think you did us a disservice. I'm sure they're using different language uh, that maybe they'll go a little easier on me next time. You know, you think that's what's happening. You think it's just human reaction. That yeah, I upset. think it's just a reaction because at our level, the feedback is so instantaneous. And if you're at our level and that's, and they think, you know, they think you can be influenced like that. You won't last you know, long at all. So I, I, that's more at the lower levels. Uh-huh. They okay. try to do that, whether they're successful, you know, I don't really know, but you, in all honesty, at our level, you don't see guys. My high school football coach would only run the ball towards the sideline that we were on for that reason. <laughs> that we, we lost all the freaking time. <laughs> we sucked. <laughs> we were so bad. But he tried. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just anymore that sort of thing. If they're upset, they're upset. It's yeah. not. It's not, not trying to get. How, how much training does the NFL give you on how to handle that? I would say you know not much. You should be. You know they don't hire you unless they yeah. think you're already handling that. Already they just know that. you're just stone. Well, cold. that's a good question because I would think. In terms of training and preparing somebody to do that job, that dealing with a decision that results in half of an entire stadium disliking that decision. In other words, you make a decision, there's 50,000 people instantly who are critical of what you just did, right or not. That, that, that's got to get in somebody's head. I mean, that would, there's got to be ways to, are there, are there strategies or things you do to, eliminate the influence that may have on the decision-making? I think just your professionalism of getting the next play right. I mean, we're not perfect. We're not, you know, that's that old saying, they want you to be perfect and then get better. Well, you're not going to be. You want to be excellent. Uh, And that just comes with the territory. You have to have mental toughness to understand that you you may miss one here and there, and you will. 
Yeah. You know, human nature, right? And you got to be able to throw it behind you, and because you're going to miss the next one. If you if you're still if you're living back here, here comes the next play. You're going to miss that one. Now you're just compounding the problem, and you can't get out of the barrel. So you you got to just like a player. Player goes over, he fumbles, turns the ball over. Mm-hmm. Well, what are those guys going to do next time he has the ball? They're going to try to strip him of the ball. I mean, they're they're going to try to play into his head and and work on that. And you know, we're the same way. We we have to because if we miss a pass interference, they come right back and throw another pass your way. You better be. You want to go at least one for two if you <laughs> if you miss the first one. Uh, otherwise, it's a long, long day. So. But it seems like all of the officials are so even-tempered. And and it, personally, for me, if I'm standing there and Bill Belichick is screaming down my neck, I'm going to like react. I don't know how I wouldn't be able to react. But y'all are just not. And, and I'm assuming that that's something the NFL is certainly looking for, right? They're not going to hire some hothead uh, just because he got all his calls right in, in the Big 12 last year. Um, they're looking at that mental toughness, but that's got to be, it's got to be tough regardless. Well, I mean, it's, it, you know, it just depends what kind of person you are. When I was at the bank, I worked on special assets, foreclosing property, you know, some tough situation. I, I, I like it. Getting yelled at? No, I, mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't shy away from it. <laughs> I love the strategy and the challenge of getting it back when we may not get it all back. I just yeah. like that sort of challenge. Yeah, the decisions you guys make—they're—they're—they've uh, got to be quick. You've got to have confidence in them, and you've got to be able to stand by them. But I, I guess, but you know, back to your question, Sanger—is other than just understanding the rules. Are there things that you guys go through or things that maybe you've learned, you've figured out, like how do I become more confident in my decision-making or how do I stand by a decision that I've made and know that it's right? Do you, you figured things out like that, that you, that help you be better at that? Well, there's no, uh, substitute for experience. You got to get out on the field. You got to get to training camps. You got to get to OTAs. You've got to get out on the field and start looking at stuff. And you got to start evaluating things. And you have to start working on mechanics, getting yourself in the right position to see the play the best that you can. You got to know the philosophies. A philosophy would be, for example, illegal contact, right? You'll hear the announcer say, oh, you can't touch him five yards down, you know, past five yards down the field. Well, that's. That's a partially true statement if other things are going on. So there's a lot of judgment, a lot of cerebral work you have to do in determining whether there is a foul or not, both based on the rule and based on the philosophy. There's a lot of mental work to do as you evaluate these plays in the time, like you talked about, Sean, very quick. You got to get a discipline down. You can't do that by just rolling out of bed, driving over to the stadium and working the game. It just doesn't happen. How much time do you spend outside the game on a game? In other words, if the game is three hours, how much time are you spending after the game and reviewing and grading and all that? You know, I'll start looking at it on the flight home. 
I, I've been around enough to kind of know what the NFL is looking for, what I want to be looking for, and a lot of it's administrative stuff. Hey, did we get the ball in on time? Mm-hmm. You know, how did we do with our, our tempo? Did we start the clock on this play? Did we not? Did we properly mark off from the hash mark that we were supposed to? I, yeah, I like to what, what you know, they call major and the minors, but I like the little stuff because it's all important, you know. Uh, and so I really like to, to challenge myself and the crew to be as administratively as good as we can be to give both those teams, you know, the best opportunity to run the football game they want to run. So hour-wise, I don't know, maybe six to eight hours for me. There's so many what-if situations. That's why, to me, uh, I take the time that I do. In other words, this happened in the game, but what if this had happened? What if he had stepped out of bounds here and not here? What if they wanted to challenge this? So some of these rules are so, so rarely even noticed in a game, right? Like I was watching this video um, a couple of weeks ago. I forget his name. Some, some guy for the Packers was returning a kickoff. The, the ball bounces on like the two or three yard line. He runs out of bounds. You know what I'm talking about? He stands on the sideline, reaches over onto the field, touches the ball, and they rule that a kick out of bounds. And the kicking team gets a penalty. How do you even know that's a rule, right? But most players on the field probably didn't know that was a rule. Most 99% of the fans don't know that's a rule. The announcers probably don't even know it's a rule. But the officials, right, immediately throws the flag. So how hard is it when when it comes to those really ticky-tack rules that hardly anyone knows to even be aware of it? Because I would imagine most plays you're thinking of your, you know, five to ten most commonly seen issues but then something outside comes in well i mean that's what they they pay us to do if if we had the chance to spend more time with teams at their facilities there'd be fewer fouls because like you say i mean i've been to training camps for you know two two three two or three days there's no way you can spend amount that amount of time with a team where they understand what we're doing mm. but if you were in there because if you were you'd go, hey guys stop running this play because we're yeah, going to catch that every this, time why is this a foul i'll show you why this is a foul uh, if you keep doing that that's not good whatever it is we're literally teaching them have any have any um teams hired former officials to come in and and do that type of work yes that's happened quite frequently like bring him in as a consultant. Yeah, it seems like you would almost have to have. That. Yeah, I don't know what kind of time they spend with them. Whether they go to all the practices, they review the film. But I just, uh, you know, just for me to be able to interact with the uh, teams and teach them some of you know things that maybe I, they have the greatest coaches in the world, and those coaches know the rules. But there's something about having a ref there that, you know, is this enough for holding? I'd be the guy to tell you that it is. Or is this enough? Or is this enough? And that's important. That would be important information for me to know. Yeah. And then back to your question, I could coach my players to that edge, right? 
get as much advantage as I can without getting a penalty. I know where that edge is. But if we don't spend any time with players or coaches physically interacting with them, how do you know? But we've got a bunch of guys in there now that have had none of that. Zero. Work games, no fans. It's not the same. So I'm excited about this year to see how much work we'll be able to get out there and do and get the rust off and, and work with the teams. You know, it's that's why training camp and preseason's great. It's it's training, it's learning, it's teaching people. You know, some guys are gonna get beat and they're gonna foul. I would too. Smart that's smart to do. And false starts, you can't train you know, false starts, false start. Nothing you can do about that. But holding, pass interference, defensive holding, ICT, a lot of that stuff, we can jump in there and make a big difference with the guys that are going to be playing during the regular season, I think. That was fascinating. That was, yeah. I, that was I, that was so fascinating. It, the NFL is just a class organization. I mean, it just it's a privilege to do it. 256 regular season games, now with a few more. Yeah, there's always a dust up or two here and there, but probably for the most part, it's a it's a great, great entertaining sport. You know what I have wondered though. So the the rules on excessive celebration changed a few years ago. I don't remember when, but there's a period of time where they could do anything, and there's a period of time where they couldn't even clap. But they, they could do they, nothing. They right? could do nothing. And then there's a period of time when now they can do it, and then they just unless it looked priest pre-planned or staged but now they don't care right <laughs> no. they're like yeah no matter how staged well, there's it is, certain limitations but, yeah. but the guys know what those are uh, i have no idea what those are uh, <laughs> it seems like they do whatever they want <laughs> so that's another question but my first question was whenever they change that rule some of those celebrations were pretty pretty funny <laughs> you ever i mean you kind of just want to like do you feel bad? Like I, feel bad. I don't throw a flag on that. That was a hilarious. good one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we very few of them are penalized anymore. Yeah. And then they know what the what they can and can. Is it just obscenities or? But did you know that once they score, there's a there's a clock. They have forty seconds to get the get the celebration over with. Yeah. So they they can't stay out there forever. Ah. Uh, uh, the game penalty. So they're pretty smart. They got to kind of figure out how they want to do it once they score. <laughs> Yeah, we just we don't let them do their thing, keep an eye on them, make sure everybody behaves, and they leave. Out comes the kicker, or if they're going for two. Yeah. And because uh, all those scoring plays are reviewed. So yeah. we got the replay guys up there taking a look at them, making sure it yeah. was good. And so it's kind of interesting how, like the game itself, those guys understand how long they have. I like the celebrations. I want to, I want to see even the silly ones. I want to see it. It's, it's fun. It's it's entertainment. So I just want to see the that. best one was. I wish I remembered the guy's name. He was a receiver for the Saints, and he put a cell phone underneath the foam padding around the field that was Terrell post. Owens. Was it? That was Terrell Owens. No, I think it was a receiver for the Saints. You think? Right. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Okay. And he went up under, you know, lifted yeah, it up, picked, picked up it up phone. and called somebody. Yeah. That was a problem. Yeah, they didn't like that one. That phone was in there the whole time. And who was it that used to keep like sharpies in his, in his that was sock? Terrell Owens. Was that Terrell Owens? I put sharpies I'm in sure his sock. I'm sure more than one person and then he signed has done the that. ball. Yeah, or signed something. Yeah. Yeah. Folks aren't doing that anymore. Either. No. 
but yeah, I mean, it's entertaining and, and, uh, the fans, fans seem to enjoy it. So, but there, there are limits. Yeah. There are limits. What, what are the limits though? Well, sexually suggestive okay. or that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, you can't, there's certain things, you, you know, when you see them, you know. Okay. <laughs> well, there was one who, I don't remember the player. Uh, he sort of, he, Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Yeah, he yeah. pretended to moon the fans. Pretended to moon the. the they should have let that one go. <laughs> they overreacted. I think they you think acted he got like. A bad they, rap? Okay, you go back and listen. I think it was Jim. Uh, what's his face? I don't. Know. I don't know. It, the, the announcer yeah. acted like he really actually whipped his ass out. No, <laughs> it, it, he was so appalled. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a disgusting act by Randy Moss. Go listen. Go watch it on YouTube. That's just disgusting. And he just reset it over and over. I was like, yeah, no, it's not. He was just being silly. He caught too much heat for that. I stand by Randy Moss. My takeaway from that conversation with Greg is that when we're making decisions, it's so important to be prepared, as prepared as possible. Experience, research, having all of the information, and and getting into that decision and arriving at that decision point fully prepared. Yeah, that that was that was my takeaway as well, and and I was really uh, surprised at the amount of time that he spends uh, reflecting on the job he's doing. You know, reflecting on the decisions that he made, how he made them, how he could get better, and that was my takeaway: is spending time on purposefully looking to improve the decision making ability. I mean, actually working on that. He spends more time reflecting on and studying what he does in the game than he spends in the game. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you know, He mentioned one thing that the best way to do your job is to do your job. And when we talked to Travis Luter, he said the same thing. The best thing that I can do as a jiu-jitsu coach is to do jiu-jitsu. If I'm not doing it, I'm not going to be right. able to teach jiu-jitsu. Get, get in the game and learn it. You can apply that to any decision, apply that to any profession. The best way to get good at something is just get out there and do it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Decidedly. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Greg Meyer. I know I definitely did. I learned a lot about decision-making. If you learned something about how to defeat bad decision-making in your own life, give us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. It helps people find the show and defeat bad decision-making in their own life. If you didn't think it was worth five stars, I hope your favorite team goes 0-16 this year. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Find us on decidedlymoney.com and see you next time. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Singer Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers who are not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their own opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.